Hello, and welcome to the Beef Cattle Health and Nutrition Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. John Campbell. This week, I'm pleased to welcome Kathy Larson to the podcast. Kathy is a researcher in the Department of Agriculture and Resource Economics here at the University of Saskatchewan. She's been involved in many research projects involving all aspects of the economics of the cow-calf and forage management practices and cost of production. Through her research here, both at the university and previously with the Western Beef Development Centre. This week, we're going to have a chat about the economics of raising replacement heifers. Let's get started. Hi, Kathy. Welcome to the podcast. It's great to have you here. Hi, John. Glad to be here. Well, before we get into our topic for today, I'll just ask you to introduce yourself to the listeners and tell us a little bit about your background and some of your latest activities. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm a research associate with um, the Agricultural Economics Department at the University of Saskatchewan. I've been with the university since 2018, but prior to joining uh, the university, I worked for about eight years as the beef economist with the Western Beef Development Center, a supplied cow-calf and forage research center. I'm really interested in just cost of production for beef cattle producers. And because of that, with that focus on their profitability, I'm interested in management practices to support um, productivity and then data to aid in the calculation of their cost of production. Great. Well, we want to spend a bit of time today chatting about replacement heifers. And let's start by talking about how many heifers producers typically need to keep in their herd. What do we know about the average percentage of cows that need to be replaced in Canadian cow-calf herds? Great question. I'm the provincial liaison for the Canadian Cost of Production Network that's managed by Canfax. So through that network, we're meeting with Uh, producers from across Canada and collecting production and financial data from them to generate cost of production benchmarks and a bunch of parameters uh, pertaining to their operations. So we know from that data, we have nearly 200 operations that have shared data to generate 45 benchmarks that on average, 11% of cows are called each year and another one and a half percent, one to 2% are dying. So when you just add those numbers up, that means the average producer needs to replace about 13% of their cows each year to maintain their herd size. So on a herd of 100 cows, considering you probably need to keep about 13 heifers and not all of them are going to be uh, bred at the end of your breeding season, it's somewhere in the range of maybe 15 to 20, but it certainly depends on everybody's uh, operations. But that gives you a, a sense. Yeah, well, that's great. And obviously, it depends if you're trying to grow the herd or you're trying to lower the herd numbers. That's going to change that a little bit, too. So producers have two main options for obtaining replacements for their herd. They could buy them or they could raise them themselves or use some combination of those two options. You've been involved in lots of surveys on production practices of cow-calf producers over the years. And what does the data tell us about how many producers actually raise uh, their own heifers versus buy them? Through the surveys I've been involved with, we've asked that question in a variety of ways. And specifically, when I think to something like the Western Canadian Cow-Calf Survey last conducted in 2017, we asked very specific questions about retention of calves after weaning. We've also asked just about inventory amounts for different classes of cattle. So I think we have a fairly good handle that about 80% of producers are keeping 
heifers to develop into replacement breeding, breeding females. And I know data from the U.S. says it's a little over that as well, like 83%. So I think that uh, we're, we're very similar to what's happening south of the border. Okay, well, let's start with purchasing replacement heifers. 17 to 20% of producers are doing that. Why would they consider that as an option? Well, I think that the reason that that is a suitable option for some is just when you are, as you mentioned earlier, looking to expand quickly or perhaps rebuild, as may be the case for several producers if they had to do any sort of downsizing after the drought that we went through these last few years. It's just a quicker way. You just maybe not have the suitable number of heifers within your herd. So you're needing to uh, reach out to others to, to bring back your numbers or increase them. It's also a great way purchasing heifers to bring in new genetics or take your herd in a slightly different direction if you're trying to change the breed composition of your herd. There's others that may choose to bring in replacement heifers, bred heifers, as a way to increase their herd size in the sense that by not committing resources to develop heifers, so committing labor, feed, and pasture, you can then allocate those resources to just more bred cows rather than open replacements. A number of factors why it may seem more suitable for a person or an operation to purchase replacements rather than raise them themselves. Okay, so that makes sense. But how about raising your own replacements? Uh, There's costs involved in that. What are the advantages of that approach? So as I said, it's, it is the more common route to go rather than, than purchasing them. And I think there's some very clear advantages to the approach. The majority of operations are doing this because there's this lower cash outlay. There might be lower cash outlay, but there's certainly just as many costs. And we'll get into that, I'm sure. Why you want to raise your own replacements? Because you know the genetics, you know the dams of those daughters, how they've performed, you know the breed composition of those females, you know that those animals have been developed to succeed in the way that you manage, the way that you feed, your topography, your climate. So those are a lot of the reasons why producers opt to raise their replacements rather than buy them in. Yeah. And from a veterinary aspect, I always want to talk about biosecurity. Uh, And so buying replacement heifers does have some biosecurity risks to it. You can minimize that by buying them from a known operation where you know they have a good health program, et cetera. But that is another risk that you have in the purchasing replacement heifers option that you don't have with raising your own. Yeah, very good point. Well, so you're an economist and I know you folks always like to talk about opportunity costs. So maybe we need to define what that is, but give us an example of what an opportunity cost might have to be taken into account around choosing to buy or raise replacement heifers. Sure. Opportunity costs is a, a, yeah, a fancy, well, maybe it's not that fancy of an economic term. It's a non-cash cost. So there's no actual cash outlay but we do like to include it whenever we're doing a full economic costing of, of a practice or within cost of production. So a very classic opportunity cost is unpaid labor. When I'm working with producers to figure out what their cost of production is, we want to put a value for their time. But in the context of raising replacement heifers, the revenues that a producer gives up or passes by when they choose to develop that heifer into a breeding female rather than selling her at weaning, 
that's the opportunity cost. So it's essentially the cost of choosing one opportunity over another. And in this case, it's the opportunity of developing a, a replacement rather than the opportunity of getting wean calf revenues. Right. So I think producers often underestimate the costs of raising replacement heifers. What sort of things, when you try to sort that out with them, what do they need to consider when trying to figure out how much it actually costs to raise those replacements? Yeah, so the first one, just what we've covered, that opportunity cost, that foregone revenue from when you chose to keep the heifer calf rather than sell her at weaning. We just look back to prices this past fall, 550-pound heifers were averaging nearly $2.30 a pound September to November of last year. So that's $1,240 ahead before deductions. So that actually needs to be factored in when you're figuring out your full economic cost to raise replacements. And typically that opportunity cost, that revenue that has been given up, accounts for somewhere between 50 and 70% of the total development costs. And then beyond that, you really need to think about, okay, from the point that you kept her after weaning, all the post-weaning management, the backgrounding, so the winter feeding, and then when she's turned out to grazing the following summer, and the exposure to breeding, so the herd sire costs, all those need to be factored in in order to get the cost to develop replacement heifers. Okay, so that makes sense. Obviously, there's going to be some major farm-to-farm differences in those costs, and everyone has to do this calculation for themselves. But if you put that all together, what would be the current estimates for raising a replacement heifer? Yeah, costs do vary so much from operation to operation. Especially, we that's why we have nearly 50 typical farm benchmarks for our cost of production network. It's, it's precisely because there's so much variation. So how those heifers are managed over the winter, those herd sire costs, so how much you're paying for your bulls, how long you're using them, what is the number of uh, females that are being serviced by that bull, what are you paying for grazing, all that needs to be factored in. I have a calculator that I use with some basic barley hay ration based on a ration that we've used to develop heifers at the research center, valued grazing at about 80 cents a day, and a $5,500 heifer bull that's going to breed 25 heifers. When I factor that all in, the development costs are about $750, but I also need to then add on that opportunity costs that I talked about already of the foregone calf revenue. So that raises the prices for raising or developing a replacement heifer to nearly $2,000. And this would be the cost to develop a spring-born 2022 or spring of 2022-born heifer calf into a bred heifer confirmed pregnant this fall, the fall of 2023. Right. And if feed prices go up or calf prices go up, that's going to change as things go along. So if that heifer's going to pay for herself, Kathy, how many calves are we going to need to get from her on average? Yeah, good question. So, uh, you know, if it's costing $2,000 to develop her from uh, the fall of 2022 to the fall of 2023, she's not going to start having calves. Her first calf is born in the spring of 2024 and sold that fall. How far out? Well, we know margins are pretty slim in cow-calf production. And if I ignore the call value or what we would call salvage value from that female and just focus on the fact that she is part of our operation to 
wean a marketable calf each year and figuring in the costs of production, typically a heifer will need to wean somewhere between five and six calves to recoup those costs of her development. That's why we have lots of recommended practices on, uh, you know, such as breeding heifers before the cows or ensuring that you have uh, just proper management of those heifers to give them a fighting chance, the best chance of success to allow them to remain in your herd and, and uh, recoup those costs of development. That's uh, great advice. We talk about breeding heifers ahead of the cows largely because they're going to take longer to come back into estrus in that second breeding season. And so we're trying to give them a fighting chance to stay in the cow herd. That leads us to the topic of selecting heifers. Lots of producers do it by visual selecting a gate run. And, and I'm always amazed at how, how well they can remember their mothers and things like that. But could we do a better job by utilizing some of our record systems? What should we be selecting for? Sure. And I think that we always have this interest in eye appeal or visual appeal, which is important, but it certainly shouldn't be your only criteria and possibly not at the top of your criteria list. There's some things that I think are important for considering when you're making heifer selections. So just the typical, making sure that they have proper conformation, proper soundness in their feet and leg structure, their udder development. Maybe you need to be looking at their mothers to make some of those judgment calls and knowing how their mothers or their sisters are performed. Obviously, you want to be considering their health performance during their calfhood and post-weaning. How have they fared? How has their mother been as well? If you can rely on, if you have those level of records to see if there's been any health issues, uh, their chronic issues that you don't want to have in your herd. And disposition, temperament, I think is important as well. Some people maybe have a higher tolerance for rangy cows at calving, and then there'd be others who maybe have young families and children working that that's a, a very strong judgment call. If there's any sort of bad temperament at calving, you don't want to keep that cow nor her daughters. Other things that I think is a, a great measure, lots of producers capture date of birth on their calves. That's a pretty classic record that's collected, and that can be a really great selection tool. So early born heifers, we know that they will reach sexual maturity sooner and therefore breed faster than later born heifers. So a suggested rule of thumb is to make heifer selections from the heifers born in the first 45 days of a calving season. And that can help you in selecting heifers that are going to breed sooner, faster on their first exposure and therefore stay in the herd longer. And then lastly, you know, genetic merit. So just the if you have certain breed crosses that you're trying to maintain in your herd, you're going to be looking at the breed composition of those daughters when you're making selections. For some operations, depending on their the what their how their breeding pastures are set up, maybe you know details on the sire and the, that sire's EPDs. So you're selecting heifers on that basis. Um, and there's genetic or genomic testing as well. So there's examples like neogens and vigor tests that can measure hybrid vigor of animals, and that can be used in your genetic selection as well. Right. And and if you have a really good record-keeping system, you might be able to look at productivity of families, cow families, and things like that as well, which would also be useful. 
you've been involved in a research project at the LFCE and Termundi, I guess, before that, looking at heifers' birth dates and their lifetime productivity. Uh, tell us a little bit about what you found there and how it compares to some of that similar research in the U.S. that's been done. Yeah, thanks for bringing this up. I had seen that research by Cushman and colleagues out of the United States. They looked at well over 16,000 heifers' records of production and found that a heifer that calves early in her first calving, so calving in the first 21 days of the calving season in her first parturition, ends up staying in the herd longer and weaning more pounds of calf than, say, a heifer that bred and, uh, and calved in the third cycle in her first calving. So with that uh, study in hand and seeing it, I wanted to go back into Western Beef's records. We keep pretty decent records on that herd, and we delved into our own production records and found similar results. We found that, similar to what Cushman had found, heifers that calved in the first 21 days in their first calving, stayed in that herd longer and had better overall productivity over their lifetime. So not only it's a, it's a combination of their calves are born earlier, and so when you have a fixed weaning date, you just end up with more days for that calf to gain weight and be heavier at weaning time. And by staying in the herd longer, you end up having more calves weaned. So it's total pounds uh, weaned was higher for those heifers that calved in the first 21 days as a heifer. They just um, have improved productivity. And it's really those ones that are calving in the third cycle, It's they just have this greater tendency to fall out of the herd when you're dealing with fixed breeding season, say 63 days or less. They have that longer recovery time after their first calving, and perhaps then they just end up falling out of the herd because after the 63 days exposure, they just didn't have a chance to cycle and conceive. Yeah, I, I just think that's such an amazing result, both from Cushman's research and yours, that they align so well. You've also been working on a calculator. You were talking about that a little bit, and I think that's going to be available to producers at some point. Tell us a little bit about what that resource is going to be and when we might expect to see it available. I had an Excel-based calculator that had been on Western Beef's site, but it's going to be given a little bit of dust off and improvement through collaboration with Canfax and the Beef Cattle Research Council. BCRC has been a, become a great resource for all sorts of decision calculators, and I'll be meeting with uh, both Canfax and BCRC later this month to see what we can do to take what's already existing and maybe improve some of the features that it is an opportunity for producers to go in and put in their own details and it'll do the math for them and calculate what their, their costs are to develop replacement heifers. There's other tools like uh, bullfire uh, calculators as well on what's a suitable price to pay for a breeding bull. So this would be a great fit uh, to have a tool that calculates uh, replacement heifer costs as well. Yeah, that's great. We'll look forward to seeing that. I'll put a link to some of the BCRC resources that are there in the show notes, but we'll be looking forward to seeing that one down the road. I expect that'll get a lot of use by producers as well. So thanks so much, Kathy, for being here. Really appreciate you taking the time to do this. And we may have you back at some other time to talk about another topic. So thanks again. Yeah, thanks, John. That's our show for this week. Thanks to all of you for listening to the podcast. And thanks again to my guest, Kathy Larson. 
Thank you to our sponsors, the Alberta Beef Producers and the Beef Cattle Research Council. Please consider subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. We always appreciate feedback, and if you have questions or comments or would like to suggest topics that you'd like to see covered in future episodes, please email us at bchnpodcast at gmail.com. Take care till next time.